family, thank you so much uh, for joining us here online. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, it means you're not here for party in the parking lot. So we've got people outside of our church facility right now uh, playing on bounce houses. We're grilling out, just having a good time as a church family. So know that we miss you. Uh, we wish you were here with us, but also we're so thankful that you've chosen to tune in and worship with us online this morning as well. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, open up with me to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, one of the beautiful things that we're doing this morning, you might have noticed, is that worship was abbreviated, and that also means that the message is going to be abbreviated as well today. So don't get used to this, because next week we're going to go back to normal, uh, but this morning's only going to be about 10 minutes or so, so it's your lucky day. This is my late Christmas present to you. Um, you can send gift cards as a thank you as you see fit. Hey, Galatians chapter 3, the message title today is simply called If Then, as we look at uh, week number 12 in our series called God Space. So wherever you are, unless you're driving, if you will stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, I want to read three verses right here at the end of Galatians chapter 3. And Paul writes to the church in Galatia as he closes out this chapter, and here's what he says. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, listen to this, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you again for this morning, God, for the gift of technology that even though uh, we're separate today, God, we still have the ability to gather. And so, Father, I pray now that you would speak very clearly to your people through your word. God, that whatever truth you want us to hear from these few verses here in Galatians 3, that your spirit would speak those very clearly to us. God, would you give us those ears we need to hear from you today? God, would you give us the soft and receptive hearts that we need not only to hear your word, but to receive your word? And God, I pray that you give us those hands and feet to live out these truths, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would also be doers of your word as well. So Father, thanks again for this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, uh, if, I want you to go back with me for just a moment to high school grammar class. It's the worst, but we have to do it here briefly. You see, it's likely in high school grammar class that you were first exposed to this idea of this, this thing called a conditional statement. You ready for it? Uh, known as the if-then statement. These conditional statements known as if-then statements, and here's basically what that is if you can't remember high school grammar class. This if-then statement is a type of sentence that expresses that something is true, but it's contingent on something else being true. Let me sum that up in normal people language. If this is true, then this is true as well. I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Um, if the weather is hot tomorrow, it's Ohio, so it probably will be. If the weather is hot tomorrow, then we can go to the pool. Let me give you another one. If you mow your grass today, then you probably won't have to mow it this weekend. Let me give you one more. If Hot Pockets are on sale at Walmart today, then we can buy a whole cartful in Jesus' name. You see, in last, these last three verses of Galatians chapter 3, as we finally, 12 weeks in, it took us to get here, as Paul closes out this chapter, this is the then portion of what I see as Paul's big if-then statement. You see, for 70 verses up to this point, Paul has made this argument over and over that we've continued to address. 
that right standing with God is never found through self-effort. Rather, righteousness or right standing with God is always found by grace through faith. The means of salvation uh, has always been grace through faith, and it's never been found through self-effort. And so if that is true, which it is, Paul now concludes with three statements, our three then statements. If salvation is by grace through faith, which it is, Paul now says, then these things are true for you and me. I want to give you three of these today, one verse each. Let's walk through these quickly. If you're a note taker, grab a pen, some paper, write these things down, type them in your phone, whatever that looks like for you. Point number one is this. If salvation is by grace through faith, then how God sees you has changed. Let me say that one more time. If salvation is by grace through faith, then how God sees you has changed. Look at what Paul said again in verse 27. Let's, let's bring a little clarity to this. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have also been clothed with Christ. What is that phrase there? That's an important phrase, baptized into Christ. What does that phrase mean? Simply put, Paul is making a reference for us to salvation. It's the personal experience that each one of us must have at some point in our lives where we become right, but right with God by grace through faith. I want to make sure that we understand this. When Paul says that phrase that you were baptized into Christ, Paul is not making a reference uh, to baptism as a means of salvation. There, there's some people that would try to teach you that, that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. It's not what Paul is saying. Instead, what Paul is telling us, it's a phrase simply referencing when somebody gave their life to Jesus. For me, that was in 2003 when I was the age of 15. But all of us at some point, in order for these things to be true here in verse 27, we have to make that personal decision to repent of our sin, put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. And by grace, Paul has shown us up to this point, we're declared right with God. So what's the result? What's the then portion? Paul says there's a result. If, if you've been baptized into Christ, you've also been clothed with Christ. There's a really interesting thing going on here because Paul shows us that a past decision that all of us have to make at some point in time, that past decision actually informs your present reality. When God looks at you now as a follower of Jesus, he doesn't just see you. This is incredible. Instead, God sees Jesus. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in a different letter, Ephesians 4.22, he writes to them and he says that at salvation, what actually happens is we take off our old self, which is corrupted by sin, and what happens is we exchange for Jesus. We take off our old self, and in this divine exchange, we take on Jesus. Let me give you just a little illustration of this, something very practical that you can probably see on a regular basis. Imagine you came to church today for a party in the parking lot, and you were wearing, like me, just a blue shirt. You would walk in, and what would happen? People would see you, because you're here physically, but they would also see that blue shirt that you're wearing. Now then imagine, halfway through your time here at the, the church property, that you went into the restroom, and you changed out of that blue shirt that you were wearing, and you went and you put on a bright yellow shirt. What would happen at that moment? You would come out of that restroom, you would go back into where all of the people are, and people would still see you, but the shirt would change. People would see you, but there would be a marked and noticeable difference in your clothing. 
There would be a marked and noticeable difference in your attire. They would still see you because you're you, but what clothed you would now be different. Friends, I want us to understand this truth here in verse 27 of Galatians 3. When God looks at you now, if you're a follower of Jesus, Paul reminds us, I mean, he still sees you. God created you in his image. Genesis 1 talks about that. David wrote in the Psalms that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. But now as a follower of Christ, God doesn't just see me. Praise be to Jesus. Now by grace, God also sees Jesus in me. That's huge for us. If salvation is by grace through faith, which it is, the way I'm, God views me changes. He doesn't just see me. Instead, he sees Jesus. How God sees me has changed. Point number two, if salvation is by grace through faith, then your primary identity has changed. Look again at what Paul said in verse 28. There's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male and female since you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's a lot going on here. You know one of the biggest struggles that most people will face throughout their life and continue to fight on a regular basis is found in this area of identity, which Paul addresses here in verse 28? Because all of us always, whether it be subconscious or consciously, we're constantly asking ourselves, where do we fit in the bigger picture of things? Like, where, what is my identity? Where do I fit within my family? What is my identity and where do I fit within the organizations, the church included, that I belong? What is my identity and where do I fit in my community, in the world as a whole? You hear phrases like this all the time, but things like, uh, hey, those people aren't like us, we're different than them. We aren't like them, they're different than us. Those people live over there, but we live over here. Those things, those ideologies, those thought processes, those beliefs are important to them, but those things are not important to us. And what happens is it's human nature. This is what we're naturally inclined towards. We make all of these distinctions between people that ultimately result in divisions between people. It's this battle that we have to face that's rooted in this idea of identity. But what does Paul point us to here in verse 28? He reminds us that if you're baptized into Christ, you've been saved by grace through faith, that you now have a fixed, insecure, unchanging identity. Because what does the gospel do? The gospel removes all ethnic, social, and economic barriers that once divided us. Friends, in the gospel, there's no longer divisions. Rather, that classic phrase, Pastor Joe mentioned this just a few weeks ago, we see everybody as level at the foot of the cross. Now, does that mean that we no longer allow our differences to be part of who we are as human beings? No, no, no. I don't think that's what Paul's telling us here. God is a masterful creator. God creates beautiful things. God created our differences. The key is that Paul wants us to understand that in Christ, we can't allow those differences to be our primary identity. Instead, my primary identity in Christ is now Jesus and I refuse to allow the things that are different between me and other people to divide me. No, no, no. The gospel instead, Jesus calls me to break down the barriers that divide, give my soul allegiance to him, and establish unity within his people. Hey, hear this this morning. This is so important. If you're a human being, that's the prerequisite to salvation, by the way. you got to be human. It's open to anybody and everybody. But if you are a human being and you're on Team Jesus, 
Friends, we have a responsibility to the gospel to be unified and reach the world for Christ together. Romans chapter 5, verse 18 says that we are all one in Christ. The church is meant to be this melting pot of different people unified under the authority of Jesus and carrying the flag of the gospel wherever we go. What's Paul's second point? If your salvation is by grace through faith, which it is, 70 verses of that, then your primary identity has changed. Hey, let me give us one more this morning. Point number three. If salvation is by grace through faith, then the promise is secured. Look at this in verse 29. Paul goes on to say, and if you belong to Christ, he's closing out chapter three, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs, according to the promise. Right here, last verse of chapter three, Paul makes this assumption for you and I right here. He said, you belong to Jesus. Uh, There's an assumption made that after 70 verses of Paul just emphasizing the gospel, making sure we understand that self-effort is never a means to righteousness, but salvation is by grace through faith. So he says, okay, if you belong to Jesus, you've been baptized to Christ, into Christ. If that's true, what's the result? Two things. Look at this. You're Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. What does that mean? It's a reminder for you and I, we've, we've covered this several times over the last 12 weeks. It's a reminder of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, that through his seed, the world would ultimately be blessed. That through the seed and lineage and descendants of Abraham, that the Messiah would enter into the world. That through Jesus, what's he going to say? We are all one people. We are the family of God headed into an eternity with God in a place called heaven. That's our inheritance. The inheritance is the right relationship with God. Heaven is just the cherry on top of it. We get to exist there with him forever. But why is all of that possible? Why are we able to be part of Abraham's seed? Why are we heirs to the promise? Remember what Paul has reminded us over and over? Because your relationship with God has been restored. How? By grace through faith. Friends, I want to remind us of this this morning, that the gospel is available to everybody. It's not just something I do to get right with God. My self-effort only leads to separation from God. Instead, the gospel is found in bad news, worse news, good news, and great news. The bad news is, and we've heard this over and over, that we are sinners separated from God. Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of our sin is death, that we deserve the eternal wrath of a holy God because of our sin. The worst news is there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do to change it. The only person that can change it is a person and a man named Jesus. And the good news is this, is that when Jesus voluntarily went to the cross for your sins and my sins, he paid a sin debt that I couldn't pay on my own. 1 John 1, 7 says the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Let me give you the best news this morning, that through faith, By grace, you can receive that free gift that Jesus offers, eternal life. Romans 6.23 says that the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friends, we've looked at over 70 verses in Galatians so far, three chapters. I want to ask you one more time this morning, wherever you are on the other side of this camera, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Are you living each day striving to try to be right with God? Or are you living out of the overflow of a right standing and right relationship with the God of the universe? Let me pray for us. God, I pray for my friends this morning that are listening to this message, that, Father, that have heard these verses in Galatians.
that God, if they are uncertain, unsure, if they've given their life to you, that today would be the day that they repent of their sin, put their faith in Jesus and receive that free grace gift of salvation. That God, they would not go throughout the rest of their day uncertain where their eternity is headed, but instead that they would have a fixed hope and a fixed identity in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for that free gift. And I thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.